Welcome to Soul Essence Wellness Center's podcast, a podcast to help you connect with your highest self that features episodes combining psychology, spirituality, and energy healing. Please welcome your host, Zandra Haas, a spiritual wellness coach, psychotherapist, and psychic medium in Boulder, Colorado. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast this week. I think like I've mentioned before, oftentimes I have a sense of what I sort of want to talk about when I'm doing podcasts, but often the day of it will switch. (laughs) I will typically go into my feelings and kind of look around and see what's kind of brewing in there, see what I'm working through, and also just what's in the collective and what I see in the news or what I see in people around me. And it's come to my attention lately how, especially with a lot of the violence that's coming more and more into the news around guns and police and brutality and all of these pieces, how much anger is stirring in the collective, how much grief is stirring in the collective. And so I've been looking a lot at my own relationship to anger. So this podcast will also be a little bit of a mirror as I'm talking about anger and the medicine in it and the insight that can come from anger. It will be a little bit of a mirror for you to look at your own relationship to anger, to look at how you see anger, to look at your ability to connect with your own anger or if you don't have a connection to your anger. In order for me to really understand my own anger, I often have to go back into my childhood. I think in my graduate program, I marveled at the people that could express anger in a way that didn't hurt other people right? So they could express anger, they could express what was happening, the feeling in their space, but without kind of stabbing other people with it or without isolating other people in it. And so that was the time about seven or eight years ago where I started really looking at anger in myself and really going back into childhood. Recently, I've always been a writer, always someone that wrote down my feelings because I didn't actually have a lot of outlets to express. I had a very undernourished fifth chakra to be a little bit wooey, which is your communication center. I didn't really know how to name what was happening in my space, didn't know how to really understand emotions and really speak to them. So I felt really bottled up a lot of the time. And so writing became this massive, massive outlet for me. And so I don't really have a lot from my childhood just because I'm a little bit more of a a minimalist. (laughs) I don't really keep a lot of objects from my childhood, but What I do have is a huge plastic box of journal upon journal upon journal. And so recently I went and spent an entire day and read journals from second grade, third grade, poetry from being five, which is hilarious. (laughs) And I recognized over and over and over how angry I actually was as a kid, but I had no language to describe anger. And never, ever, ever in my journals did I say, I feel angry. There was no language for anger. It just was this deep lack of satisfaction or this deep lack of connection and wanting to feel and connect more and feel more aligned in myself, but not really knowing how to do it. 
So I'd often say I feel very sad today for some reason, and maybe this is my female identity that I've felt really strongly with a lot of my life is that sadness oftentimes is more appropriate. We have certain cultural beliefs I I experience in the United States where as a cisgender female, I felt that I could be sad, but it was almost like I was told that girls can't be angry. They can't express anger, but they can express sadness. So I felt very aligned with expressing sadness when perhaps for me it was actually anger. There was actually a level of discontent. And so in part of my exploration of all my journals and anger and things like that, I actually decided to rip out a few pages in each journal and I took the rest downstairs and I actually did a ceremony and burned about 90% of my journals, <laughs> which for some people is like a, whoa, you just, you know, destroyed a lot of really important things. But for me, I really picked out these pivotal entries that I'm going to make a huge sort of life book around just to get bits and pieces of how I've transitioned and changed. But there was something so freeing about burning this locked up energy. And I experienced a huge healing actually after making the intention and burning these things. And a lot more anger has actually come through. A lot more for me is starting to move. And so I want to share with you what I've been learning about anger. I'm now starting to see anger as a really insightful medicine. Anger, when it comes up in the system, for me at least, is almost like a red flag. It's like a hand shooting up in the air saying, a need is not being met. Something here is not working inside of myself and there is a big reaction to that need not being met. Oftentimes though, when anger comes up in the system, it is very intensely hooked into a story. So oftentimes when people are angry, all of a sudden there's a story. There can be a finger pointing, right? Like, I don't feel this need being met in me or I'm upset at this lack of something over here or this injustice. And so all of a sudden there's a story that the ego clenches onto really, really fast to try to make sense of the feeling or the emotion. We try to figure out, is it okay for me to have this feeling? Is it okay for me to be angry? Who am I going to be angry at? And that's a way of dispelling anger. That's a way of justifying the anger because a lot of times there's a lack of permission in this culture to be angry because anger can be considered paired with aggression and violence. And that's simply not true. The aggression and the violence that comes with anger is when there is a very intense story that it is someone else's fault or there is someone else doing something to us and so we must protect ourselves or we must eject this energy outward. So a big part of anger is that it's a wisdom, but oftentimes most of us don't actually know how to sit with the anger. We immediately, because of the discomfort of it and also because the shame of it or being told that we're not allowed to feel it. I know for me, every time I expressed anger really as a kid, I have very fiery parents. And so if I showed up angry, they showed up angrier and I immediately <laughs> kind of quieted down in the anger. And I realized that in order for me to express anger, I actually had to express sadness because that again was more appropriate. So oftentimes anger is something that is not allowed to be felt in the body as a as a resource, as an insight. And I think anger has so much to teach us about a, a medicine or something that we are seeing that actually could be changed. And so again, oftentimes 
I think I remember reading this years ago. It was like how to work with anger. And it was like, take a pillow and punch it, right? Scream, do something to move it out of the body, which also I think is a wisdom. We don't want to get emotions stuck in the body. But there's also something in that message that says anger is not something to see or to listen to, to really learn about ourselves. We need to get rid of it as fast as possible. And it also pairs anger with this level of aggression, right? That there has to be an aggressive way that it is spent. But for me, anger is really sitting in fire and it's a really transformative energy. Anger has so much to teach us because for me, sometimes the other side of anger is grief. It is a sense of, I am so un-okay with what is happening and so there's a fire that builds up in me and it wants to create and it wants to burn this down and it wants things to be better and I am so I have so much fire in my space about what to do with it and so it can be really really uncomfortable to feel that anger and sometimes there's different types of anger right there's like the red the kind of hot anger the really more explosive the firework that kind of moving the energy feels like it moves and then there's icy anger there's more of that like quiet anger it's like when someone's angry at you sometimes there are people that express it in a very outwardly fiery boisterous way and then there's the icy anger where it feels like someone cut you off you can feel their anger but all of a sudden they're not talking to you they're holding it in they're like you know you're not worth my time (laughs) right they're not planning on connecting with you around it and so it's more internalized than it is external so I think again but that kind of behavior is usually when it's linked to a story there there are very few people that I see that can actually sit in anger because it can be so uncomfortable for the body to feel such a lack of something, such a need. So again, I see anger as this really fiery wisdom. And so oftentimes people are like, okay, well, how do I sit with this? How do I see this as medicine? I'm a big believer that anything that triggers us is a huge message from the body as a mirror in a lot of ways of what we need to actually heal in ourselves. And oftentimes when we feel a really uncomfortable emotion, the first thing the ego does is it hooks into a story of how we're bad or how we're not doing things correctly or we should have shame around it or better yet, let's just fix it as fast as possible. And I think there's a lot of resources to transition ourselves into a certain space. And I think I see this as a psychotherapist, you know, emotions All of these messengers, anger, are huge insight to what's happening in the body. And we don't want to stew in it, right? Because sometimes I see people just hook into it and it becomes like a a scarlet letter, right? Like this is the emotion I feel and this is me. So they go so deeply into the emotion that it creates a story that they can never actually leave that story. And all of a sudden they begin manifesting this type of energy over and over and over again, kind of stuck in this like gridlock. But I also see other people say, this is so freaking uncomfortable that I have to like really quickly do something different. And there are some really cool tools to help shift us into a different space. However, it becomes very self-aggressive if we don't actually listen to ourselves to a certain point and we try to shift it. You know, and unfortunately we live in the technology age right now where there are so many ways to dissociate from what's actually happening in us right? Take any screen. (laughs) You become a passive receiver of things that try to change your space, right? Or sometimes I meet people that are like, well, every time I get upset, I go running, which is great, right? It's like, cool, I'm regulating the body. I'm doing something and moving energy through. 
However, if every time you're upset, you don't listen to yourself and you decide to try to move energy out in this way, there's going to be a part of you that feels denied. And there's also going to be a part of you that results in always seeing exercise as a way to bypass difficult parts. And those parts aren't necessarily going to heal from that. They might in certain ways, but that core wound, it's almost like a thorn. You know, it's it's in there. And the more that you actually are present with it, then the more you can actually pull that thorn out. But I find a lot of people are really afraid to sit with the energy because they are so afraid that if they sit in it, they'll be overwhelmed by it and that they won't ever be able to escape it right? So if I let myself sit in anger, will I just be anger always? Will I go insane? I hear that a lot too. If I sit in this emotion, am I going to be okay? And part of that, that question of okay is the ego because the ego, right? That like, there's something about having a healthy ego, which is advocating for ourselves, which is identity, which is knowing ourselves. I'm a big fan of having a healthy ego because without an ego, which helps us have perception and judge things, you know, have a little bit of a binary uh, perception on things, that's not always bad because we need to be able to survive. We need to know when we go to the grocery store, when we're deciding how to feed ourselves, is the pepper going to be better or the tomato? <laughs> right? Like what's going to be better? If you're for, if you're allergic to nightshades, it's going to be neither. So having a healthy ego and understanding a way to judge certain things isn't bad, but the ego is always going to put story on top of a feeling in order to make sense of it. And depending on how we were raised, our patterns, the stories we were given, the programming, sometimes the story is really, really not healing us. So I went on a little bit of a tangent there, <laughs> circling back to anger. Most people have stories that go on top of anger because it makes it more workable. It's a very, like I said, feeling that I don't think a lot of people are learning how to be skilled in. And it's been a kind of a suppressed emotion. And again, an emotion in our society where technically or typically men are allowed to express anger and women are not allowed to express anger. And then the opposite, I've seen a lot of people, especially men in older generations that said, well, I wasn't allowed to express sadness. And so anger became the only way for me to express things or the only appropriate thing. So I've seen that a lot too, especially in older generations when there was more of a binary way of thinking or more of a binary gendered system. So that programming kind of taught people Luckily, we are becoming much more of a non-binary society, <laughs> thank goodness, um, but some of those gender role pieces are still really in there. So I think a big question is, how do we see anger as medicine and insight to what our deeper needs are? And a lot of times, the answer to this is leaving the story. It's noticing when anger comes up in your system, it's really, really learning how to sit with it and knowing that by sitting with it, you are not going to die. <laughs> you are not going to be in it forever because most emotions and feelings, if we're actually truly with them and we breathe with them, they're only going to last for a few minutes. They're usually only going to last for a certain period of time because if we're truly present, everything around us is always changing, right? Like, for instance, if I wake up really, really sad, and right now where I'm sitting, I have probably about 40 or 50 plants in this room. 
And so if I'm really, really present with the moment, I might feel sad. And I also might be staring at one of my favorite plants and a memory might come through of when I bought that plant and how I've cared for it over the years and how it's just brought joy. And I might actually feel a sprinkle of joy come in or beauty or awe, the way the light, even though I'm looking at it right now, there's this beautiful light of color that's radiating through my window and lighting up parts of this beautiful snake plant that I've had and there might be that sweetness of joy and I put feathers in all my plants because I seem to find them everywhere that I go to kind of say hello to the plants. And so I look at the feather in the plant and I'm reminded, and I might still go back to sadness, but there will be breaks in that emotion. If you're truly present with your experience, your emotions are not going to stay the same. They actually cycle through us. So if you're hooked into emotion for a long period, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. You might be going through some level of grief, but there are going to be breaks within it. And so just sitting in anger or sitting in an emotion does not mean that you're going to stay in it forever unless you are hooked into it, which means you are hooked into a story. You are hooked into the story that you need to stay that way. So this is, again, part of where mindfulness comes in, the ability to sit with ourselves the more that we can sit with an emotion without getting hooked or attached into the story, the more our capacity for emotions to ebb and flow within us and for them to be wisdom without getting kind of saturated by them is hugely, hugely healing and allowing us to be able to move in a much more dynamic way in the world with more creativity and with more health. So for instance, again, I'm going to go back to a little bit of a story. I experienced anger this morning when I woke up and my partner looked at the news and there was another news article about a shooting and more levels of police brutality. And I felt this grief mixed with anger, mixed with, mixed with like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, again, you know, that kind of like, but I immediately found myself going into the story. And then I found myself with that anger creating dichotomies of, quote unquote, who's good, right? And who's bad and who's at fault. And I watched myself try to get an egoic understanding of the feeling through the story to justify the feeling. And I had to move backwards and say, actually, there's nothing wrong with feeling anger here. And to actually sit down and say, what does the anger have to tell me here? And the anger actually when I sat with it, was a sense of grief. And when I sat with it even more, the anger was actually this devastated feeling of, are we going to be okay? Are people going to stop hurting one another? Are people going to start seeing everyone as just a connected part of them rather than the enemy? And then even further, when I sat with it, and when I say sit with it, all I was doing was breathing into the place where the anger was coming from, which for me is usually in my stomach. It usually feels like it's boiling right into my stomach, almost like there's a cauldron in the middle of me, almost like there's a volcanic ash just shooting out from my stomach out into me and it rises up into my heart. And so just sitting there in the discomfort, sitting there, breathing into it, imagining the color, just imagining being with it, not trying to change it. And sometimes it gets even scarier because when I do this, when there's a feeling that's really strong in me and I say, okay, I'm going to sit with it, sometimes it gets bigger. And then more fear comes because it goes, uh-oh, this is a thorn and it's, it's going to 
slowly start pulling more and more out. But one thing I notice, the more that I sit with myself, the more that it actually comes really, really strongly like a wave. And in the same way that a wave crashes down, it pulls back. And I can see where these moments of clarity come in. I can see these moments of rest of, I just really had to feel that. I really had to honor that. And so by sitting with it and sitting with the feeling, sitting with the color, sitting with the imagery and just taking deep, deep breaths in it, my eyes welled up with tears because I realized there is such a fear and there is also this pressure I put on myself to try to fix these things. And there's anger at myself trying to figure out how do I make more time to do more healing in the world? How it puts pressure on me to try to figure out how to do more. And it's my story of shame, of feeling like I should be doing more. And so I get angry at other people and say, why aren't you doing more? When really it's my own shame of wishing that I could do more. If I could somehow have that sweet little (laughs) compass clock situation that Hermione has in Harry Potter, where she can take two classes at one time or be late. It's like, how could I expand my day more where I could do more, where I could be more, where I could be more activist, you know, based. So for me, the anger is this devastation of what's going on. And the story of creating good and bad is actually a way to bypass my own sense of ouch, my own sense of, wow, I really need to do more. Wow, how can I try to figure out how to do more when I'm already trying to figure out how to work through my normal, you know, daily life responsibilities? And then the questions around like, what's my privilege in this? How am I able to turn an eye to this right? Because of my skin color, because of my gender identity, because of my, you know, because of my sex, because of my class. I mean, all of these things that start boiling in me. And it's so easy to move away from that discomfort by building a story, right? By getting hooked into creating it and moving that energy outside of myself. I don't actually see my anger as a wisdom. I don't actually see it as a messenger to what does my body actually need in this moment. I think that's a really hard question to ask when we have a really big emotion to be able to breathe with it and sit with it. There's a big level of trust when you start sitting with emotions and breathing with them, letting the body shake, letting it cry, letting it do what it needs to do, whether it needs to curl up into a ball, whether you need to stand tall like a tree to really allow the body to say, how do I need to be working with this and breathing with it and trusting it? There is no right way to be able to sit with ourselves, but just by giving yourself the space to sit with an emotion, to ask it questions, to really see the wisdom that it has. Each emotion, when you sit with it, typically has, with the trigger, some sort of medicine with it. It has an answer to it. And the more you sit with yourself, the more you start seeing the answer and the wisdom inside of the trigger. Again, sometimes when we feel difficult emotions, we label them as bad because of our families of origin, our programming, whatever, and we pack them away and we find some strategy often built over years to ignore them because we think of them as bad when actually they are a message from deep inside of us that we're trying to communicate with ourselves. We are trying to communicate with a level of healing that we need. And if we continue to ignore that message over and over and over again, 
we aren't actually healing ourselves. We're actually just developing band-aid strategies that are not actually going to work in the long run. I know a lot of people that use a lot of strategies and claim that they actually work. And then when I say, are you truly happy? They don't actually know what that means because they're always just band-aiding things to a point where it's workable. Being truly happy doesn't mean ignoring everything else. It means trusting ourselves enough to be with ourselves because when we give ourselves space and time to trust ourselves, happiness comes from a place of honoring ourselves. And when we honor ourselves, we honor other people better. What we need right now is people honoring themselves and sitting with themselves and giving that level of self-love because the more we can give to ourselves, the more we can actually apply to other people. I think I've said this before, but if we're not giving something to ourselves, it is very hard often to give that experience to someone else. So oftentimes when we have generational pain or trauma or things like that, and we get mad at those people for the ways that they treated us or for the things they didn't give us, if we often look back in history, they didn't get those things either, right? Anytime you're mad at a parent for not giving you something, if you go back a generation, two generations, that intergenerational trauma, it's very unlikely that that person got it as well. So this work where you sit with anger, where you sit with emotions, where you sit with programming, all of that stuff, you are not only healing you, you are healing generations of other people that were not able to heal themselves. And you say in a courageous, loving way, it stops with me. I have got to love me so that future generations of myself or the people that are in my community or my web are much, much more medicinal in terms of their presence on this planet. So again, going back to anger, a lot of people feel uncomfortable feeling anger because it can feel so out of control. And I experienced this as a kid. I didn't know how to have anger. One, because the programming said, this is not good to have. This is not a way to express things. And so I didn't actually know how to sit in my own fire. And anger is amazing because if you can sit with it, you can hear the ask in it. You can hear the need in it. You can actually start to begin to heal yourself because you say, oh, this is what I need right now. And there's an activist component to it with anger. A lot of times anger is saying something isn't right. I am triggered by this. This is a need happening here. This isn't ethical, right? There's something in me that doesn't feel okay with this. And then if we don't cling to a story of good or bad and we notice it in ourselves, we say, great, what do I need? Do I need to actually be a part of something bigger? Do my, does my body need a hug? right? Do I need to participate in this more? At least for me, right? My story is how do I show up more rather than taking this grief and this anger and sort of not listening to it? What is it asking me to do? And do I have enough courage to actually take the step when I know the answer? Sometimes we all get the answers and then we say, oh my gosh, if I were to actually follow this answer, I might actually have to change. And that's a trust walk, We are always supposed to change. I think one of the most amazing videos I ever saw was a man and his wife that were, I think, in like their late 80s, I want to say, and they'd been married for, I don't even know, 65 years, something like that. I think they were married when they were 15 or 16, and they were interviewing the man and said, how have you managed to stay together this long in a society where divorce rates are so high? 
And he said, I never expected her to stay the same. She has been nine, ten different people throughout our lifetime together. The soul and the core and the energy of who she is, is the same. But everything else around her has changed and I have never made the request that she stay the same. And he spoke to a really important piece that we need to have permission to change and to develop and to not stay the same because everything around us is changing and that's okay. And so if you're stuck in a place of, I don't want to change, I want to stay the same, you're probably not letting yourself grow into a better version of yourself. And so if you experience anger and you don't listen to it and your body wants to change or something in you wants to take part or to move something or to transform and you don't listen to it, you are actually pushing that thorn deeper and deeper into yourself and there's going to be a higher level of disobedience in yourself or a level of disassociation in yourself, it's going to feel like there's not something quite right as you try to hold on to staying the same. And so anger sometimes is a huge trigger that something needs medicine in the body. Something wants to change or something wants to be acknowledged. Your triggers are treasures. They are medicine. And your willingness and courage to sit with them, especially anger, is so huge. I cannot even tell you how important it is. If we had everyone sitting and understanding and willing to love themselves with their emotions, we would not have the world that we have. The medicine that you offer yourself is intrinsically connected to everyone else's medicine web on this planet. So asking yourself these sort of final questions, what is my relationship like to anger? Do I allow myself to feel anger? When I do feel anger, how do I respond to it? If I haven't felt anger in days, in weeks, in years, what do I feel instead? What color does anger feel like in my body? Where do I experience anger in my body? Asking yourself questions about anger will give you a lot of insight to something in your system that might need your medicine, that might need your presence, that might need your care. If feeling emotions in your body, of hearing them as messages and as medicine is difficult for you, please check out my website, soulessencewellnesscenter.com. I am not only a soul wellness coach and a psychic medium that teaches people how to work with energy in the body from an intuitive and psychic place, but I'm also a psychotherapist because there's a lot of people that are very intuitive and sensitive, but are also working from a place of working in the body and wanting to understand emotions, to be able to come in contact with them, to be in relationship, and to help themselves transform and become who they actually are without all of these layers on top. As a psychotherapist, I work with brilliant, brilliant people that are on this journey that have sometimes gotten stuck in these places. And so if you're listening to this and it feels like a lot or confusing or there's a sense of how do I get there, please check out my website. I have a lot of blogs. Well, okay, I have a a handful of blogs. I have a lot of them written that I need to post. So there's a lot of free blog resources and podcasts, but I am also here to support you in any way and can definitely 
talk with you. I have free 20, 30 minute consultation sessions to see if working together long-term to help you heal is really beneficial for you or for other people. So if you're curious about that and want more support on this journey, please feel free to reach out to me by visiting my website. As always, sending so, so much love. Thanks for joining us this week on Soul Essence Wellness Center's podcast. Make sure to visit Zandra's website, soulessencewellnesscenter.com to find more resources about how to transform your life. Zandra is available for private coaching, energy healings, psychic readings, and much more.